Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I am Gavin Shaw, the New York Knicks 128 to 98 victors over the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I am joined by Derek Reifer, the brain behind Analytics and RJ Barrett stats uh, to break down the game. And most importantly, the news from Jake Fisher that the Knicks are expected to retain Tom Thibodeau next season. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day and i think we see willis coming out there he comes right now You're Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster headed to upstate New York tomorrow to broadcast the New York State Boys basketball tournament. You can check that out on the NFHS Network. He is Derek Reifer at D underscore Reif on Twitter. Derek, I was going to try to rip it off, but you know what? You're just going to do it better than me. Can you tell people right off the bat uh, all the places they can find you on Twitter? Because it's it's... You're you're both a volume scorer and a super efficient scorer. It's, it's a rare it's a rare combination. You're like the Kevin Durant of Nick's Twitter account. Uh, thank you, Gavin. Well, first off, I write for the Strickland. Um, I'm sure most of you are familiar. You can also find me at my other handles on Twitter at RJ Barrett Stats and at Analytics. So, hope to see you guys there. And my personal, as Gavin said, at the underscore Rafe. Again, some of some of the best numbers that you will find on Nick's Twitter and, and, and unique ones that you just you don't really think of. Like you, you're particularly good at, at, at taking angles that other people don't see coming, which I'm going to need you to do right now, because I think everyone has the same angle on this. So Bleacher reports Jake Fisher uh, coming out and reporting that uh, the Knicks are expecting to or are expected rather to bring Tom Thibodeau back next season. Um, much to the dismay of, I would say, uh, as someone who's on Nick's Twitter, all of Nick's Twitter, um, maybe there, I think there are some fans out there who like the move, who like uh, the sense of stability this will bring. Again, presuming that the report is accurate, there's still time left in the season for things to go more sour. Uh, but Jake Fisher, generally a fantastic reporter, generally right on Nick's related stuff. Uh, so Derek, I'll leave it to you. What was what was your initial reaction to hearing this? Yeah, if we're talking about efficient scores, I don't think Jake Fisher has, has missed, to your point. Um, in terms of Tibbs, you know, I don't think it's necessarily ever a great move to lock someone in for next season at this point, considering the situation that the Knicks have been in this year. I don't think it's necessarily as cut and dry as, you know, he needs to get fired or he needs to stay. I think there are a lot of different things to consider, and I think there are a lot of things that the front office should consider over the course of the next few weeks and even potentially some of the offseason too. Um, but it's pretty clear that Things have gone sour this season just about every way that they possibly could have. I think there are a lot of different things that, that Tibbs has struggled with. We talk about in-game adjustments. We talk about you know not playing the youth, things like that, that that can get under the fans' skin. But really in the grand scheme of things, zooming all the way out, a lot of people have said that Tibbs is kind of the guy that gets you to the guy. And what I mean by that is he brought the Knicks back to relevancy, obviously being in the lottery year after year after year making that playoff debut and then kind of getting a little bit stagnant there. You saw it a little bit in the first uh, round of playoffs against the Hawks where kind of failed to make some of those adjustments and raise the team's ceiling this year. It's been stagnant. 
we'll see. I mean, over the coming seasons, he's been around the league for quite a while, and he hasn't been that guy to really raise a team ceiling in the playoffs. So maybe he was just the guy to get the Knicks back to relevancy, and then you need to find that guy with more of a higher ceiling that can grow with the team. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who that guy is, who's available. Uh, obviously, it could go any number of directions. But, yeah, I mean, I'm a little disappointed to hear that they're locking him in um, at this point. Yeah, man, I know. I made the analogy that it might be it might be a flawed one, but it was, it was that Tibbs was going to be the Mark Jackson to someone, Steve Kerr, when the Knicks hired him. And that, I think, still is, is very much in play. Obviously, the difference is Mark Jackson only got one season and was a lot more successful in that one season than Tibbs was in his first season. Of course, he also had three Hall of Famers in the starting lineup, which Tibbs does not. And, and there's some question, too. Maybe he could have led the Warriors to that success eventually. Well, um, I don't think he actually had three Hall of Famers. I think Draymond Green was coming off the bench, and then it wasn't until Steve Kerr took over that, that Draymond came into the starting lineup. So maybe even more prudent. Well, maybe maybe Miles McBride will be will be our uh, Draymond Green here <laughs> and then hit those highs eventually. Um, yeah, but anyway, point, point being, um, I just – I guess my question would be, what is the ceiling in keeping Tibbs? What are you hoping to do? And I think I think Leon Rose's answer would be stability. And this is a franchise that has so, so utterly lacked that for such a long time. Um, I think there's been some notion out there that R.J. Barrett would want Tibbs back and he would crave that stability. And, and there's something to be said for that. When, when you have a young star and just kind of keeping an infrastructure around them, even if it's an imperfect one, um, there's something to be said for the fact that the Knicks, again, like to some extent, have turned things around in the second half of the season and a whole lot of blown leads have kind of covered up the fact that they have been a better team, especially since Kemba Walker was, uh, I want to say exodized, but I don't think that's the word. Uh, I'll, say I'll say excised from the team. Um, there's, there's an argument out there that, you know, he didn't have Derek Rose essentially this entire season, arguably the next most important player down the stretch of last year. You can make a million arguments defending Tibbs. You can make a million arguments suggesting that things will inevitably be better a season from now. I just, I, I feel in my gut that Tibbs feels, uh, I'm throwing out a lot of body parts here, in his bones, like that he knows how to win basketball games and that he doesn't really want to pivot off of his chosen methodology of how to win those games. Like a moment that stood out to me, and maybe he was proven right because the Knicks really separated, but they were up by however many points, 20 or so in this game. Lead gets cut to 10 with just under five minutes left in the third quarter. He calls a timeout, and I'm like, all right, well, now now you go with the young guys, right? Because the vets came out, we're playing with no energy. They were letting this uh, a glorified G League team stay in the game, and instead he comes back out with the vets again. And I'm like, all right, this guy just believes at his core that – Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, and Julius Randle are, are the best thing for this team to win on a night-to-night basis. And, and to some extent, I'm sure that's true. But we've also seen like the young guys bring a little verve and energy that you absolutely could have used against this team, like a team like Portland. And I think the Knicks separated once those guys came into the game. But anyways, Derek, that's just sort of a microcosm of my point. What, I, I want to throw it back to you. It's, what, what do you see as, as, as the upside for keeping tips? So first off, there's definitely a lot of blame to go around in terms of what's going on this season, what has transpired. I still think that really the number one reason that the next season hasn't gone quite as many people were hoping and expecting is that Julius Randle turned from a 40% three-point shooter, all NBA player, to a player who now all of a sudden 
the fans want traded again. I think that regression is the number one factor this season. You also mentioned Derek Rose, who had been at times the second best player on the team, both last season and this season. Missing him for really a majority of the year is pretty huge, especially when they don't have a lot of other guys that can really get into the paint, uh, penetrate, make things happen in that manner. Uh, he helps the transition game as well. So obviously two massive losses, plus some of the health issues that the centers have had. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of other things that have transpired that have gone negatively this season. There's not really any way to know what the record would be if those things hadn't gone wrong. Uh, in terms of the ceiling with Tibbs, I'm still not necessarily bought in that he can really raise that ceiling moving forward more of a floor raising guy. You know, he knows how to win basketball games. He can win basketball games on a given night. Is he going to take the team to the next level next season, season after, you know, I don't really know. Yeah. I think, I think I'm with you. And I think that's, that's okay because I think we're probably in agreement, even if the Knicks find a way to add Jalen Brunson um, and, and have some internal development, like the, the goal next season, again, is, is never going to be winning an NBA title. It's, probably shouldn't even be winning a playoff series. I think it should be something more along the lines of development for the younger guys on the team. And the core question is like, does Tibbs have any interest in that? Does the front office have any interest in that? And I think, I think that's sort of where I circle back here. Like is the game that Leon Rose is, is Leon Rose playing a game of self-preservation to some extent? I mean, as, as a GM and Jake makes this point, his article, you, you probably get two coaches. You keep your first coach another year. That's another season for you to, to finish things off uh, to, excuse me, to figure things out plug in the right pieces and, and hope you can kind of prop up your chosen guy because Tibbs was his guy. Like that, that was like sort of written in stone from the very beginning of those job interviews. And I think to some extent, Rose doesn't want to admit defeat there. There was another quote in the article that I didn't really love. That was um, the, the front office appreciates that Tibbs is willing to stand up and quote unquote, take bullets for the front office and, and, and be the face of the team's successes and failures. And if he was totally aligned with the front office, I'd understand that more. But the whole Cam Reddish fiasco with him essentially not playing until there were major injuries sort of like negates some of that in my mind a little bit and says like, all right, it's great. This guy's willing to take bullets for you, but if he's not going to play the guy that you traded a first round pick for that seemingly is one of those key pieces that you would want to develop to have that higher ceiling as a team down the road. Uh, that should potentially be a deal breaker. Derek, I'm going to let you respond to that. But first, we are going to take a little break, and then we'll talk a bit more Tibbs, and we'll get into the win over the Blazers. All right, guys, it's that time. Let's talk about Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. I'm going to put some heavy money down on Gonzaga, 22.5-point favorites uh, over Georgia State. Uh, I just think that game is going to be a complete blowout. I would feel pretty good about putting some money down there. So from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts all right we're back with Derek Reefer uh the legend uh he of a million Knicks Twitter accounts all each one better than the last uh Derek um let's uh let's finish up this conversation on Tibbs uh what are what, what do you think is the alignment at this point between Leon Rose and Tibbs and, and do you think again the premise of giving him an extra year is sort of like Rose misreading the situation or is it something more along the lines of just saying like, all right, I think this kind of helps my job status. 
Yeah, so first off, I don't think it's necessarily a massive disaster if they keep him on for the start of next season. He could always get fired in the middle of the season. We've seen it happen a million times. I also don't think that the front office would keep him on primarily because he takes bullets. You know, maybe that's a factor, but that's not a reason to bring a head coach back is to cover your own butt. Really, the best way to cover your own butt is to win a lot of basketball games. And so I think they should be hiring the coach that they feel gives them the best opportunity to do that. I think you also mentioned that maybe RJ Barrett really appreciates stability or he likes working with Tibbs. RJ Barrett is a cornerstone of this team, but he's also only 21 years old and he hasn't known a lot in the NBA. Uh, I think of an example with Giannis um, when he was with the Bucks, when they had Jason Kidd as the coach way back when he was younger, there were stories about how when they fired Jason Kidd, it was this huge surprise to Giannis. He was crying. He was completely torn up. Uh, well, guess what? They hired a coach that was a better fit for the roster, a better fit for their future championship hopes. They ended up winning a championship. And I don't think Giannis is crying anymore about Jason Kidd being gone. So sometimes you really have to take the long-term view. Uh, there's a lot of different things to consider here, including the opinions of a guy like RJ Barrett. You know, obviously that is important, but you have to also look for a million of other things. I, I don't envy the job that Leon Rose and his front office have to do this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to the idea like you get the quote unquote like right offensive coordinator and or, or the right assistant that can push Tibbs the right direction. But I just, I just think we know who he is at this point. Like we, we it, it ended the same way in Chicago. It ended the same way in Minnesota. Like he, he, even even in these closing days where the front office is clearly like forced some flexibility on him, it, it's it's still to a limited extent. But I'd go into it with an open mind because he he did he did have that great first season again. To your point, like. There are just a myriad of factors outside of his control. The, the biggest one you, you nailed with Randall. Let's see what it looks like when, when, when some of those factors go in a different direction. But uh, Derek, we, we've delayed the inevitable long enough. The Knicks uh, beat the G League Blazers 128 <laughs> to 98. Um, you were right on top of it. RJ Barrett, a, another incredible game, 31 points, five assists. And as you pointed out, uh, Emmanuel quickly, uh, the most efficient 18-point game in Knicks history or tied for the most efficient 18-point game in Knicks history, where he scored 18 on just five shots. Can you can you take away anything from a game like this? Because that, that's always my struggle with these types of games. I'm like, oh, wow, the ball movement looks so good. Like, they keep making the extra pass. Like, they're getting into the lane. Quickly's getting to the line. RJ's super efficient. And then I kind of stop myself. I'm like, oh, you, you should be doing that against this team. And And when all – like, it's easy to be unselfish when the opponent is not very good. It's easy to have flash plays in transition when the opponent isn't very good. It's easy to shoot well from three when a whole bunch of them are wide open. So can you take away anything from this game? And if so, what did you? Uh, you know, it's obviously not going to be this massive swing on anyone's opinion on any given player or a team when you have an opponent like this. But I think there are some good things you can take away from this game. One, you know, you mentioned it's a lot easier to do just about anything against a poor team. But, you know, sometimes actually when you have a bad opponent, I think players can start to get into, oh, we're going to win anyway. Like, let me get mine kind of a thing. So we really didn't see that too much tonight. I guess may have saw it a little bit with Randall, not to nitpick, but the ball was moving like like hotcakes, like you mentioned. Uh, and great game for RJ IQ. Saw some really positive Miles McBride minutes, which is always fun. He's really a pest defensively, both on the ball and help. Uh, he almost had a 
back-to-back steals there, shades of Pablo Prigioni at one point. That was kind of fun to watch. Um, and really, one thing you can really take away from a game like this, in my opinion, is how Tibbs is willing to mix and match some of the lineups, which is something that he hasn't really done too much this season. There were a couple unique lineups that we saw this game. Uh, we saw IQ in with the starters for an extended period, which is a lineup that they really haven't used very much this season. I think I tweeted out that it was less than 1% of the possessions this season have used that lineup, which is pretty crazy considering those are five of the core players on the team, you know, maybe five of the seven or eight core players on the team. And they just, they just don't play together despite the fact that they play positions that would work well together. So little things like that. Uh, but overall, you know, it was a fun game to watch. You like watching alley-oops and, and fun passes and threes. And there were a couple cool dunks in there too. So, you know, not going to take too much out of it, but it was an enjoyable game to watch, which is sometimes a lot to ask for for this team, at least this season. Yeah, if we could circle back on tips, I would say that's one of my single biggest complaints on the year that we didn't get more quickly RJ uh, Randall minutes. I mean, that, that's something as those, as quickly as actually gotten some time with them the last few games, I, I just think you see how much easier he makes Julius Randle's life. I, I just think with, with the pace he brings in the half court, and even like obviously tonight he was fantastically efficient, even when he's not fantastically efficient, I think he impacts those guys in a really positive way. And I, I thought his playmaking was uh, particularly good in this game. Um, uh, the the lob he had late to Obi where it just it looked like it was going to be a floater the whole way down. Um, and at the last second, he just sort of um, – redirected it um kicking off some of those swing swing sequences we were just talking about like he, he just absolutely toasted uh drew eubanks which you should be able to do everyone should be able to do um and then through just like I do it. yeah no 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 Derek, don't don't tell yourself sure you, you, you get it drew eubanks um uh portland state legend I, I believe that was said on the broadcast um but anyways you like toasted him cross court kick to miles mcbride kick to rj for three um had another like really nice like no look uh, to Jericho where he was doubled. A couple of nice like, wraparound passes to Jericho. I noticed the yeah. two of them were getting getting a little nice chemistry there. I, I think yeah, going back to summer league, I, I that was that was a the theme with those two. There was another play the Knicks ran that I, I like tweeted out that really interested me where they ran like these double slip screens where Ob and Jericho both came up to IQ and then both kind of cut to the basket and Jericho is like so much vertical gravity. He had two defenders go with him. So quickly just like dimed up Obi for a little reverse layup. Um, it's nice to see Obi get going as well. Like he, he got into a nice little rhythm late in this game. Um, but RJ Barrett, I guess the name to know, like another just hyper efficient game. And, and to me, um, and, and again, Derek, you, you know this better than anyone else because you, you really track him on a night to night basis. But I think it's easy to take for granted these 30 point games now. Um, but it, it, it feels good to just have a guy who you're like, oh, if the competition's bad, He's just going to roast them. Yeah, I mean, he just continues the super hot stretch basically since January 1st, where he's just putting up these 30-point games every left and right, 20-point halves. This was his fifth 20-point half since January 1st. He had five 20-point halves the rest of his career uh, up until January 1st. So it really speaks to the volume scoring that has come in really bursts uh, since the new year has turned. A lot of it's come from him just aggressively going to the basket. It's opening up a lot for himself. It's opening up a lot for his teammates. The efficiency at the basket still isn't where it could be, but you know, I think it, it's clear that because he's getting there so often, he's still getting efficient looks, even if he's not finishing perfectly. Uh, he's still getting a lot of efficient looks, and you saw it tonight with, I think he was 10 for 20 with the field overall from the field. 
I think he had eight looks in the restricted area, five for eight there. So that's really good to see. And he was hitting his threes tonight. Um, more, Perhaps even more importantly, he was shooting them really aggressively, no hesitation. First quarter, he was just launching them. I think the, his first two threes, he was taking them right off the catch immediately, missed the first couple, and then ended up hitting, I guess he ended up, what, like five for 11 for three. So he ended up hitting the next five out of nine after that. So um, really great to see. He had a couple step backs that I think didn't fall, but he was doing it in a few different ways, getting out in transition. The playmaking looked pretty good today. He had a couple of wraparound passes into the corner off his drives that seemed to come before he got into the air. You know, you want to see him have that one step ahead of the defense approach. There were a couple times where he was able to do that tonight. So really good to see. Uh, he had a lob to Obi that was out of the gym, which was really exciting as well. So, uh, yeah, I think he had five assists on the night, one turnover. Uh, really great performance against tough competition. <laughs> Not so much, but uh, still great to see him continue this scoring build. Yeah, I mean, ben, I think Benji Ritholz, who was just on this podcast and has made this point a couple of times, but teams are just more aggressively than ever going under screens with him and just sort of daring him to shoot. And tonight, it, and that, there weren't too many examples of that because uh, give credit to Julius Randle. He set him up for a bunch of easy ones, especially in that first quarter. But his shot and his confidence in his shot is so crucial. And to your point, just his willingness to get them up every night, I think that already draws a defender an extra step up. And he's, he's so good at getting to the rim at this point that he's still going to find his way to the line. He's still going to find his way to the basket. But I think his, his efficiency at the rim is so contingent on how he's shooting from distance and just his, will, his willingness to get up shots from distance. Uh, quick final shout-out to Evan Fournier, who had uh, pretty easily his best playmaking game of the season, finishing with six assists. He, he just threw, he threw some sick passes in, in this one. Um, I'm trying to remember. Maybe my favorite one was he was stuck in the corner had like a little reverse pivot spin move and then and then just a kind of like a one-handed little slip pass to Mitch for a jam and then another one that was like just just a dime of like a cross-court hook pass to RJ Barrett uh, to set up another one of those open threes um but I and just in general I appreciate Evan Fournier's willingness to, to to hit Mitchell Robinson because no one else is willing to hit Mitchell Robinson yeah shout out to Evan Fournier he's obviously had a very up and down season um, after signing that big, pretty big contract in free agency. Uh, he's on his way to potentially becoming the all-time leader for most made threes by a Nick in a season. He's already second behind John Starks all-time. So I don't know if Knicks fans are going to be super happy about that if and when he does take that record. But shout out to him. I think he's gotten more negative press than positive this year, but he's actually done a lot of good things, especially on the offensive side of the ball. All right, uh, let's take a one final break. We'll come back with uh, two mailbag questions. Uh, that next on Locked on Knicks. All right, guys, let's talk Athletic Greens. One of my favorite products that I have used this year. I never feel better than when I uh, when I blend together uh, some icy water and some Athletic Greens. Uh, it just I get a real energy boost, but it also brings a, a sense of calmness. And I was I was always looking for like that one sort of all in one. Uh, supplement and athletic greens is that for me. So what is this stuff with one delicious scoop of athletic greens? You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day. Right. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging all the things. Uh, I like to use it pre-workout. It gives me a little bit of a boost. And again, just sort of mellows me out, which is kind of nice. You don't, you don't want to be a rage monster going into a workout. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheap than your cold brew habit. 
it's cheaper than getting all those supplements separately, which is something I've tried to do in the past. And it ends up costing you a whole lot of money. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues, and he ended up with a complicated routine that cost him over $100 a day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing just how difficult it was to try and replicate all those things yourself. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it's recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we're back. Third and final segment, Gavin Shaw, Derek Reifer. And uh, we have first from Locked on Knicks mailbag MVP, Ignacio at Ignacio Lobregat. He says, another two-parter for me. Because he asks the question every time, and they're always great. Uh, first, would you rather get the pick you want in the draft or sign the free agents you want? And he clarifies, uh, ask the first question, because assuming we draft a guard, either like Jaden Ivey or Johnny Davis or Ty Ty Washington, uh, then it wouldn't create a log. Then wouldn't it create a log jam? Excuse me. If we go for a Jalen Brunson uh, plus IQ Deuce and Rose on the squad, this is a, this is a fair premise. And and I guess I mean presumably uh, one will shape the other. But uh, Derek, I'll, I'll I'll throw that your way because I'm, I'm still I'm still contemplating my answer. If I'm being fully honest. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on which free agent we're talking about. I guess if we're talking about the the guys who have been floated, the names who have been floated most often with the Knicks, the Brunsons of the world, um, you know, good pickups. But I think if you have the chance to get a top four or five pick, I think that's almost always preferable. Uh, regardless of who you're choosing, you're going to lock in a young potential stud future talent for at least four years and then potentially with restricted free agency for a while longer. If you hit on a pick like that, it can completely change the direction of your franchise. Uh, Obviously, the Knicks chose R.J. Barrett third overall. It's starting to really pay some dividends now. But even if it's not someone as good as R.J. Barrett, um, there are a lot of ranges of outcomes with draft picks, obviously. But in my opinion, the expected value way higher on a draft pick. In terms of the fit, you know, this is going to be uh, – this is might sound tough. To, this is kind of treating players as assets, not as people kind of a view. But I think you just draft the, the best guy available uh, regardless of the fit. And you can always trade people, move people around. You know, the NBA is even a positionless league now. You can play Deuce McBride, Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, and another wing, and maybe even Julius Randle together. Uh, not the Tibbs will, but it's something you can do. Uh, and you can also move players around for other picks or other players and assets. So if you get the best assets in-house, you can move them around whichever way you, you want to. And and Leon Rose has shown that he's able to do that. He's got he's got good guys on his on his side there. So, uh, yeah, I would choose the draft pick. Yeah, I think I think I'm ultimately in agreement with you. If I was going to play devil's advocate, I would say the the case for someone like Jalen Brunson is you you want someone who can make R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle's lives easier. And I think for that to happen, you need pretty much an elite shooter at the point guard position and um, as high a level of like a, a game manager, for lack of a better term, or maybe orchestrator is is the more complimentary term. Um, and I think the Knicks have 
as this is off, off publicized, have, have very, very much lacked that this season. The counter argument is you get Derek Rose back, presumably, even if he's a little slowed down, he solves some of those issues. And to your point, if if you're looking at the Knicks, you're talking ceiling at this point, right? Where where is the higher ceiling and a draft pick that uh, is making a lot less money and has the potential to be a whole lot better than Jalen Brunson? E- even for the sake of this question, I'm assuming it excludes a top three pick because that would that would make it too easy. Um, I think I'm with you. You got to go draft pick, even if it makes things more complicated for a single season. Um, but the part two from Ignacio, uh, let's see what we got here. Next, if you had to pick five players as the core moving forward, who would they be? Wow, good question. Uh, Derek, I'll, I'll once again toss that to you. So I think the obvious one is going to be RJ. We've talked about him a little bit. I think it it is pretty clear at this point. He has the highest ceiling of the guys that we've seen thus far. I would also go with Mitchell Robinson, obviously a pending unrestricted free agent. But I think over the past four years, he's debatably been the best player on the team for two to three of those years, um, considering his youth. Uh, he's a kind of guy that you can plug and play with a lot of different lineups because of how well he protects the rim. He can run a little bit when he's healthy. He can protect the perimeter a little bit when he's healthy too. Hasn't shown that as much this season, um, but I've always been big on Mitch uh, and I would love to lock him in long-term. I think IQ is another guy that's a no brainer for me. I know some Knicks fans have soured on him a little bit this season, but I don't think you can sleep on the value he brings on both sides of the ball even when he's not running pick and rolls or, or handling the ball and running isolations, he, he provides a lot of gravity shooting. Uh, he's a very underrated rebounder. And I think his perimeter defense is also not only come a long way, but actually really good. And and I think he's one of the be- better perimeter defenders on the Knicks Great. right now. So um, I'd go with him. And then there are a couple other choices. I think I'd slip Quentin Grimes in there, I think based on what we've seen this season, obviously relatively small sample compared to some of the other guys, but I think he's already proven that he's the kind of guy that you can plug and play onto any team, any really championship level team. He's not necessarily going to start right now. He's 21 years old, but he definitely projects as a guy who can be a volume shooter on 38 plus percent from three and be able to defend multiple positions, including point guard. He's done a lot of point of attack defense for the Knicks this season he's done a good job of it so he's blown me away with his defensive acumen for a rookie so i'd lock him in there and then that's four so i guess it comes down to obi mcbride uh jericho sims am i forgetting I mean, you, you could you could include uh you could include randall in this if you wanted to and uh i i would i might have camera right so <laughs> if I'd randall's part of the young, if randall's part of the young core then yeah. i don't know maybe taj gibson could be part of it too well you know um, he's, he's just hitting his prime man he's, he's a few years out <laughs> he's just hitting his prime um i mean if it comes down to that i mean i'll probably pick randall if he is included just because obviously we've seen what he can do yeah. if i'm focusing on really just the young guys who are still on their rookie contract between the guys i mentioned i think i'll still pick obi i really like what i've seen from deuce mcbride this season and to a lesser extent what i've seen from jericho sims uh but i'm still a, a pretty big believer uh in obi Toppin. actually i know he's pretty old for the young guys but what he does for this team in transition. And I am a believer in his future potential in the half court as well. The three-pointer hasn't come around just yet, but it's there. I think he hit a couple of them tonight, one or two of them. He definitely shot quite a few from that from that back corner. Um, but I believe in the impact that he provides to the pace of the game, 
um, to spacing, vertical spacing. And I think his defense has been better than advertised. So, you know, I think a lot of good things to say about Deuce McBride as well and Jericho Sims, but I'm still a believer in Obi. Yeah, I think I'd have uh, to save us some time. First four, the same. I, I Quinn Grimes to me, clear cut second guy behind RJ Barrett. Um, and I would have, I'd have Cam Reddish as, as my fifth. I think there's just, there's a little bit more flexibility to his game than Obi, where he, again, I'll, I'll, I'll reference Benji Ritholtz again. Like he threw out the term, like right now he's a guy who like is, is sort of okay at everything, but isn't really good at anything outside of uh, creating deflections and uh, th- three point shooting to some extent, even, even though that's a little hit or miss. Um, but I just, the flashes we saw from him to me are just a little more compelling than the flashes we've seen from Obi Toppin. I just think there's a much higher potential for him to be able to create his own offense uh, down the road. Um, the argument for Obi is that like, he's probably the more effective piece right now. I, I just think, I, I think again, like if I'm looking at the Knicks and like trying to maximize their ceiling, I think Reddish has to be a part of this group. And it, I think it's a shame that he hasn't gotten to play or won't get to play over this final stretch of the season. Cause he seemed like he was really hitting his stride. Uh, but let's, let's get into uh, the one Final mailbag question we have. This one coming from Paul Jeffrey the Third um, at Paul the Great Nine on Twitter, and he says only Tibbs seems to leave the starters out there when we are destroying these guys. When do you fellas feel it's the right time to put the bench or er, scrubs in? I know our willingness to blow huge leads is on, is my only thinking. Uh, love the podcast, go Knicks. Uh, thanks a lot, Paul. Uh, we 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 have covered this to some extent already, but it does again reveal like just. I, I like where where like I get really cringy about tips and, and that's that's maybe a good way to wrap this whole thing up. It, it is that inflexibility, Derek, and, and that notion that like he he has his like creature comforts and he's had them for 15 years now, however long he's been a head coach. And he just seems unwilling to go away from them. And one of them is, is playing his starters just way too late into basketball games. Yeah, it's funny that you mention or whoever asked the question, I'm sorry, I forgot his name, um, asked the question and noted that we've blown a lot of 20-point leads, but who's blown the 20-point leads? Was it the scrubs or was it the starters? It was not the scrubs, scrubs, Derek. I don't know. Maybe you're killing two birds, one stone here. Uh, Generally, I I do agree that he tends to leave the starters in too long. I would love to see R.J. Barrett score as many points as possible, but to play 40 minutes in a – 30 point blowout is probably not ideal, uh, which he did tonight. So that happens quite a lot for RJ specifically and for the starters in general. I mean, if you're up by 20 points in the fourth quarter, you know, you don't have to send your guys back to the locker room, but in my opinion, it's a pretty good time for you to maybe take the starters out of the game. And if all of a sudden the other team goes on a 10 0 run, Obviously, that's a disaster, but you bring your best guys in. You're still up 10 in the fourth quarter. You still have a pretty high win probability there. So, uh, yeah, you know, I err on the side of taking out your starters a little bit earlier, especially in a regular season game. All right. Uh, Derek Reifer, one final time. Can you tell everyone where they can find uh, your myriad of just fantastic Twitter accounts? Yeah. So first off, check out Locked on Knicks, obviously. Um, (laughs) um, Thanks for the opportunity, man. Uh, My my personal Twitter is going to be at D underscore Rife. But you should also follow at The Strickland, where I'm a staff writer there. And I know Alex Wolf, who's part of Locked on Knicks. He's the editor in chief. We got great stuff going on over there. You can also check out at Analytics, which is the Strickland affiliated Twitter where I'm going to post out Nick statistics like crazy. Um, yes, I promise you I watch the games and then obviously at RJ Barrett.
that's as well if you're interested in some more of that meme type content. I will say I learned, I, I genuinely <laughs> learned something every day from the analytics. Oh my God, I can't believe I got it. Uh, account. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really, really, really good. I think, I think you have a very, like, you're very creative, like in, in just like the premises that you search for. And then, and then you know how to find answers, which is, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. And that is it for this edition of the locked on Knicks podcast. Uh, please, if you aren't already subscribed, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe on YouTube, throw us a like, throw us a comment. It really does make a substantial difference, but until next time, be good. Peace out. Thanks again, man.